You better be, because we have your chance to win a prize of table games from the newest installment of Welcome to the Blumhouse's Horror Movies, now streaming on Amazon Prime. The games are packaged uniquely in a 90s throwback box set of VHS tape sleeves embodying the essence of the 80s and 90s thriller movies we used to love to rent at the local blockbuster. I know it sounds too good to be true, but you can trust us. It's real. They're vampires, duh. Streaming right now in the month of October on Amazon Prime is Welcome to the Blumhouse's newest installment of four films, including Bingo Hell, Madres, The Manor, and Black as Night. And entering couldn't be any easier. Just head to ubk.fyi slash scary where we will choose a winner at random, but do so quick. Contest ends October 27th. Game and we want to announce a winner as soon as possible so we can get your table games to you before Hollow's Eve. Again, head to ubk.fyi slash scary to enter. If you dare. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. We're taking a trip way back, all the way back, all the way back to the beginning and then back further than that. The story before the story as we uncover the top five prequels of all time. And joining me today are two men whose descent into the dark side was so gradual I hardly even noticed. Brian Ernst and Mitch Brinkman. How's it going, gentlemen? Well, hello there. Hey! Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not a big prequel guy. Um, I, I had to do research to do this one, so I apologize in advance if I really suck. I'm just trying to tamp down the expectations so I'm able to blow you to the moon, hopefully. So th- that's my plan today. That's my plan. I know his original list was uh, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom five times is what he had. <laughs> And, and before that, it was just King Kong movies, which I, I hadn't seen any of them. So, yes, it, it did get a little better. I, I, I do have some familiarity with my list. Right, well, we got some motorcycles <laughs> So we're, we're, we, we are a little bit nervous uh, about the prequel uh, topic as anybody making a prequel should be. But if you have an idea for our next episode and want to challenge us and make us even more nervous than we already are, Head over mm-hmm. to ubersinko.com, drop us a line, get in touch. We love to hear from our beloved listeners. And in the spirit of today's prequels, I am reading all of my script and notes off of a notebook because I had computer problems and I had to do that. And I thought, well, I'm just going to stick with it instead of type it out. So <laughs> I am uh, using a notebook. So isn't that wonderful? Uh, wow. And if, if you're joining us for the first time on our more technologically uh, savvy episodes that have escaped you, here's a quick rundown of our rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we will move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber you will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. 
After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as the host, I am entitled to institute a house rule, and my house rule is anyone living in the past will be deducted three points. So keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. Wow, shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, um there goes Mitch's wardrobe. <laughs> Damn his it. Palette. Oh. Yep. His hairstyles. <laughs> I have none of those things, so they're not on the table. <laughs> I also I also am gonna open up I'm gonna uh offer a bonus point for a quick pop quiz right here at the top of the show before we get started. Pop me. Let's this go. Is, pop quiz. Pop quiz. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'll do this it. This wasn't on either list, so it's it's okay. not a spoiler. Okay. What Western film would have been on my list? The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Boom! That Woo! is correct. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, as it wow, was a prequel wow, in the Dollars wow. Trilogy, which I did not realize until like mm-hmm. the 15th time I saw the movies. It takes place wow. during the Civil War, the others after. Doesn't that make a good prequel, though, when you don't know it's a prequel and you just learn later? That's the sign of a good prequel. Yeah, It also helps that some of the actors appear in multiple movies playing different characters. That helps throw you off the scent a bit, Yeah, too. a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Brian, you won the pre-show race to travel back in time to become your own grandfather, so you get the right mm. to go first. Let's hear your number five. <laughs> and so that's a story for another day. Uh, <laughs> my number five... I'm going the interactive realm and I picked a video game because this is one of those prequels. I didn't know was a prequel until I played it. And this is red dead redemption two. Oh yes. So I never played red dead redemption because I never had a system capable of doing it beforehand. So I only had red dead two and I played it and Mitch was over once. And I was like, this is so cool. Blah, blah, blah. This is blah. And he's like, I'm pretty sure this is a prequel pal. And I was like, no, it takes place. How long is the Wild West? How does this work? I don't understand. (laughs) Once I finally watched a very, very long video of everything I missed in the first game, I'm like, oh, I get it now. It's older. Got it. So uh, we follow Arthur Morgan in this game, and I think you follow John something? Marston. John John Marston. Marston. That's that's John John Marston. Marston. It's a pretty similar voice. I looked up, I think this guy's last, the guy who played on something, Baker was his name. Mm -hmm. All it says is Irish-American actor. He has like 50 voice credits for like like novels and e-books and stuff, and he has like two on-screen credits, one of them being the motion capture for <laughs> Red Dead 2. But his voice is awesome in the game. So, so, so I, well, it is an amazing prequel. And yes. the, the, I mean, the gameplay has improved. The story's great. The atmosphere is great. But I don't want any story spoilers because in the November of 2018, when I got robbed, <laughs> they took my <laughs> PlayStation 4 with this exact game in it. I had only completed 22%. But with oh. that in mind, proceed, both of you telling me your, the, your most mischievous, fun moments, because this is an open world game where you can, you can break the rules and you can, you can choose the route of, of a dastardly criminal yes. and really get oh, up yeah. to no good. So yeah. funny story is I'm only about 50% away through the actual story mode too, mainly because I got tired of riding my horse everywhere <laughs> and I didn't unlock enough of the map shortcuts. So I just stopped playing because I was so fucking bored. Like, I'm like, can I just, I want to turn my system on and start gameplay. 
Like mm-hmm. I am not one of these people who is so into the open world stuff. At least in GTA, I can call a cab. I can steal a helicopter. <laughs> you do. I can get That's there true. quickly. This is too real for me. I needed to get to the story. You do but, have like th- three and a half minute stretches of just riding a horse from one yes. town to another, which. This is why I love the game, though, because the sunlight dapples down, hits your horse's mane just so. And if you have a beautiful, like a Tennessee trotter that has kind of like like a mocha cappuccino flex of cream going on, and it just it bursts in the sun. And and the and watching the the striations of the of of the horse's muscle as it as it's galloping forward. And then they have the cinematic button. You just hold that button down, and the camera swoops by you. And Which is live. beautiful. No one's you denying a, a, it's beautiful and majestic you, to watch your steed go in a cinematic sweeping jib shot. It's great the first 56 times. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and then wow. it's like after I've waited four minutes for my PlayStation to turn on, five minutes for the game to load. And if I'm going online, I'm waiting another five minutes for that to load. I'm sitting here. I finished all my food. My beer's gone. And I haven't even started playing. That's my only downside to this. Everything else about this game, including the story, is great. I don't think you got to it, Nathan, but there is a riverboat heist. And it's Oh, awesome. man. So well, something to look was, forward to for me. That was one of my favorite uh, schemes. I just picked something up there in one of your sentences, Brian. You said, all my food's done, as if that's a bad thing. Do you eat chips and game at the same time? Are you just throwing those crumbs in your controller and greasing it up? No, I wipe my hand like a dapper gentleman before it goes oh, to the controller. Okay, okay. okay. Like, I'm just making sure. I'm just making I've sure. set up a whole picnic of options around me. There's okay. a Diet Coke within reach on the floor this way. There's a beer in the cup holder, the chips sure. between my legs, and of sure. course, Bounty, the quicker picker-upper, sitting on my lap to wipe of my little greasy nubs before I touch my control. All right, this is this is a lovely picture you're painting, but I wanted to hear stories about you shooting people <laughs> and kidnapping people and throwing them on your horse. <laughs> uh, when, you, when I finally got to shoot, I don't think you've made it to the town of San Denis yet, but it's basically like New Orleans in a swamp. And you just get to shoot and skin alligators because they pop out of nowhere. <laughs> so I was down on my luck once, had a bunch of bounties to, to pay. So instead of killing a bunch of innocent people, I just skinned a bunch of gators and wow. uh, sold their hides in town. Okay, right. I, I'm going to tell you a much more bloodthirsty, uh, soul-curdling tale here. Now, unfortunately, I can't tell you one from Red Dead 2 because I've only played about an hour at Brian's house. But this tale is from the original Red Dead, which, Nathan, you know very much uh, and, mm-hmm. and in-depth nature. I'm in Thieves Landing. I'm playing Liar's Dice. I lose. <laughs> I'm angry. So I go to the bar, and I shoot the whiskey bottle out of the bartender's hand. And the bartender's like, hey, here's my shotgun. Don't do that. And I'm like, oh, lasso, tie you up, keep you behind the bar. And then, <laughs> you know. <laughs> one solid slug to the back of the head. And then oh I my. do that, and everyone in the bar goes crazy. They're like, what are you doing? You, you you freaking criminals. And then I have to go in the street, and I'm hiding behind crates, and I'm lassoing guys, and I'm hog-tying them. It takes me about 20 minutes, but I build a pile of hog-tied bodies still alive in the, you know, like oh in the muck. It's about 15, 20 guys, and they're all going, you know, like, <laughs> 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 It's giving me real golden eye vibes when you just get the stack of yeah. henchmen. <laughs> yeah. And there are, you know, and, and there are women in fancy dresses, um, you know, ladies of the night running to and fro. 
you know, ah, you know, I need to leave this, need to leave this psycho's area. As I'm just like circling the the the, the pile of bodies, and you know, you know, same thing. They, they can't hear me because I'm saying this to the to the screen, but I'm saying like, Are you, you guys know what's next. You know what's next, and you guys know what's next, right? Can 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 one of you guess my next move here? Are you going to be setting them on fire? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Woo! God. The holy grail of evil on Red Dead number one. You make a pile of hogtied bodies. You light them up. And then you go back to the middle of the map and you, and you toss a lady on the, on the tracks, also hogtied. That's the quickest way to be a very, very evil boy in, in the original Red also Dead. Also hogtied. So. Well, we should, <laughs> yeah. we should, we should say that there's, there's an incentive to do evil in this because there's a scale of mm-hmm. if you're going to be the hero or the villain, it, it, you get certain points to and fro. Yeah. But- even, even in the game, I'm still trying to be the hero. <laughs> I don't go full evil. I, I like unlocking the all black outfit of of the bad boy, and then and then I think with that comes also this is the first one too, the first game you get like the all black steed as well. So you're just it's like Johnny Cash, you know, like you know. So it was for in, in fashion Cowboys reasons form. that you committed a horrible. <laughs> we'll be clear about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, right, yeah, yeah. But but to be clear to to our listeners who haven't played this that are uh, really confused right now. Mm-hmm. This game, you can have a riverboat heist and the mayhem Mitch is causing, and then you also have to go collect sage in the wilderness for mm-hmm. hours of time. So it's, it spans everything. If that's not art, I don't know what is. Mitch, let's have your number five. Um, thank you very much uh, for um, setting me up here, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay down a classic at your feet. And I don't have like a, a ton of points uh, laid out here because it, it almost speaks for itself, but I will speak about a couple of my favorite scenes and that is godfather part two. Oh yes oh yeah right Th- there it is there's the, the oh yeah of everyone who's seen it um this is the best of the godfather series right godfather one a little too slow but set things up nicely godfather three should have never been made godfather two this is the perfect one and i haven't seen this in a couple of years so i won't be able to to rattle off the entire movie from memory but the one scene that i do love is um in about the 15 minutes when uh de niro um is getting getting uh, um a pushback from don Fanucci. he's got that he's got that thin little little mustache and he's got his <laughs> coat around his his shoulder and it's it's during the the festival um in i'm assuming they're in the bronx right are they brooklyn i believe they're in uh manhattan South Manhattan? Manhattan, yeah. Okay, so yes, probably area, what's yeah. what's now known as Little Italy, yeah. Little yeah. Italy, okay, yeah. Um, and but yeah, but so then it's it's the big festival, and then um, the the fireworks are going off, and De Niro has left his family family meal, and he goes up on the rooftops, and he sneaks in, and he shoots that sweaty piece of crap Don Fanucci gets him good, and then for whatever reason, I love that scene as as a kid of him running along the rooftops. Taking the gun apart, right? Oh, and, yeah. Like all the evidence and dropping it. The towel spots. on fire when he's got to put the towel out. That's when it starts. Yeah, on. I really get into it. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, Godfather Two, wonderful, and also I like that it, it goes like you see um, this kind of old school um, mafioso stuff. You also see like back in Italy, uh, the the kid almost get murdered, but then you also you, you get a taste of like um, Vegas style entertainers like being welcomed into the world, you know, like which the mob actually I mean, still runs, but started to run in finally in Nevada. And, uh, you know, when he moves to Lake Tahoe. So, um, 
I, I wish I had more like a, a bigger thesis or something really intelligent to say about about number two. But what I love is again, it's 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 back to the fashion. Pacino rocks his suits in this one. Big fan of that. Um, and um, the uh, also the the Lake Tahoe house he has. And I'm going to architecture here. Love that house. I would move into that house tomorrow. Riddled with bullet holes. I don't care. It's a beautiful that. property, but that is part of the sequel part because it's half and half this movie. Yes, it is. The sequel part? Like but you're yeah. talking about the prequel part, which would be anything with Robert oh, De Niro. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But it's, I mean, it's all in the, yeah. Okay, it is, fine. Yeah, it's all. I mean, it's. Nate. Nathan's it, it, a I, for the rules today on what's prequel and sequel, so I you better str- stay in your realm. Mike. I stretch, I, I stretch the rules when it's my turn to go. Okay, just remember <laughs> that. Guy, so. <laughs> I, you say that you're, you're, you wish you had more of a, a, a thesis and everything. Luckily, your host could provide that. He won't. Yes, good. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is, I mean, this is, in my opinion, The Godfather Part Two, the best movie ever made. Not my favorite, but the best movie ever made. And and um, I'm not going to deduct you points for your slightly negative comments about the first Godfather. But what I will say to jump off what you're saying is that what makes the Godfather part two great. One of the many things that makes it great is it enhances the first movie when you go back and watch it. Yeah. And that's what a prequel should do. Um, And it really the theme of the whole story, which most people miss, which and I'm not going to give any spoilers away because there's the other great scene, which is the very last scene, uh, the the dinner. So it's the one that takes place right before the first movie starts the birthday dinner for Vito Corleone. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it's beautiful scene. And it really hammers home the theme, which and I don't think this is a spoiler because it's just more of a grandiose statement. It's people forget that this story is about failure. And, you know, it's easy to glamorize yeah. the gangster lifestyle and all the fancy clothes and all, you know, the coolness of a lot of the characters and the Vegas lifestyle and whatnot. But <laughs> it's it's about failure. And anyways, I could go on about this movie forever. So this is obviously a great choice, but yeah. uh, I have to score it out. So, I mean, Mitch, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you oh. three points. Oh, yeah. can I can I say my, my favorite line from the whole movie is at that dinner. He's finished like all of his whatever, and someone goes like, "Oh, should we go get like?" I think they moved to like the second room for it's like cappuccino and tiramisu, whatever. And then yeah. he, stand, he he stands up and he goes, Hoo-ah! and then he like <laughs> the other room. And uh, I just think that <clears throat> gravitas he brings to that line reading is incredible. So oh, it was so nice when Al Pacino was still an actor. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Mitch, I wanted to find ways to poke holes in this and not give you three points, but you knew I was going to give you three <laughs> points. So yes. I wanted to deduct one for you putting it your five, but I just, this movie just gets me going. Uh, yep. And Brian, this, I mean, this was a great pick. I hadn't even thought about this, but you just didn't seem like you love the game the way that me and Mitch do. And so I'm only going to give you two. You guys so. haven't even played the one I talked about as much. <laughs> you don't even know yet. Just, you'll know. You'll know. Well, no. all right. Well, no. All right. Well, no. You're 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 you're, uh, you're flirting with uh, living in the past, there, Brian. Be careful. Be careful. Okay. All uh, right. And uh, but we will go on to your. Uh, well, actually, we'll we'll go we'll go. Uh, yeah, we'll go back to Brian. And we'll have his number four. <laughs> oh, all right. Wow. Okay. No, okay. It's me. Oh, uh, so my number four is a prequel to what I consider the best television show of all time. I'm going with Better Call Saul. 
Santo. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, Mitch, this means you had it on your list, but where did you have it? I had I had Better Call Saul at my number one. Whoa. whoa yes. Whoa. whoa, whoa. Okay. So, well, well. Yep. Brian, Brian, the the we both have a case to make, but Brian, the floor is yours. Uh, your opening arguments. I didn't expect this to be as good as it was, which is why I came to it so late. So I had the pleasure of binging to catch up kind of the way I watched Breaking Bad. So I was super late to the game of Breaking Bad too, caught up on three seasons of Netflix. And then all of a sudden four is airing. And that's exactly kind of how I watch Better Call Saul. Wait, so wait, hold, Brian, it's okay for you to be late to the game for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, but Nathan and I are late to the game for Red Dead 2, and you're holding us over the coals here? Oh, uh, yeah, but at least I've I mean, seen on. the thing I want to talk about. Okay, and all even right, whatever. It, so keep talking, keep talking. Or at least 20. Nathan played more than you, 22% more than an hour, I think. That's true. You know what? But uh, you know what? You need to keep going. Keep going on your number four. Yeah, I will. <laughs> So being able to watch it the same way I watched Breaking Bad, I think, is what kind of sealed the deal for me, even though it was already going to be good. But the Mm -hmm. fact that it takes such a departure and the only stretch it really takes is trying to make Mike look younger. (laughs) But uh, other than that, it's everything else like kind of works out. And I still feel like I'm a season behind. I'm not sure if I'm 100 percent caught up, which is worrisome for me in terms of spoilers. Um, cause I think the last thing I saw was Chuck's trial. Okay. Yeah. You're behind. Yeah. So, so we'll, I think I, I we missed will avoid what, spoilers for you. Yeah. Then. I think I missed whatever that season was cause it hasn't ended up on streaming yet for whatever reason. Um, Brian, yeah, I, so I, I think your shirt is a season behind as well. Time to put on some flannel, <laughs> my boy. <laughs> Summer's <That's> over, pal. <laughs> Aren't I the big wet boy? Don't I need to stay as cool as possible so I don't overheat for the show? <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah. This is my check engine light to make sure I don't (laughs) die so I can get through my list. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Being able to see Bob Odenkirk stretch like he's never stretched before, to actually see him like, we know he could be the schmarmy whatever we see in Breaking Bad, and it's great. And it's very reminiscent of some old sketch comedy stuff that he's done. But the depths of which of him starting a loser... And be and rising all the way up through that, as opposed to just seeing him as the semi-success we saw him in Breaking Bad, and what he gives up to get there, the oh things my. he sacrifices to get there. It's it's so heartbreaking, and I love the Slip and Jimmy stuff when it all takes place in Cicero, right here near Berwyn, baby, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, where he kind of like the, the pickpocket roots, the pickpocket roots never actually leave him. And I love the whole thing is basically people don't change. And it's just like, he just needs to figure out how to make the system work for him. And he eventually does. And the little odds and ends, the little uh, spider web that these episodes take, I love like all the TV production stuff, all the small town commercial stuff. And well, the that's, birth, that's the thing so I great. love about it is that since we know, I mean, there is obviously a sequel element to it. That's touched on very lightly. The, they're do the, stuff of the him after breaking bad in very small doses yeah but since we know he turns into saul goodman that we see in breaking bad it allows them to kind of meander and go off onto these little side tangents and really dig in 
Reachly and, and Diply, deeply. But uh, I, I, I shouldn't uh, interject too much here. Mitch, we need, we need your opinions here as well. So yeah. uh, what have you got? Well, I mean, Brian just lightly touched on so many things on the shelf. He, he's just trying to clear it off so I have nothing else to, to talk about here. But, <laughs> guess, but guess what? But guess what? I've got some things to touch on. Obviously, we're, we're watching Jimmy carve out his own path here. I, it, it, you did mention uh, making the system work for himself, and it's kind of, you know, uh, the um, the Breaking Bad, uh, Better Call Saul production team makes does a great job of visually showing you characters changing um, and growing um, or or staying the same in some cases as well. Uh, his his colorful ties finally show up his shirts show up um yep. which you see later as Saul Goodman and what what I really like about um the Saul Goodman um story actually I mean still Jimmy though is the story of brothers and better call Saul they are actual brothers they love each other they're both brilliant um they they both know what each other a lot of times are going to do like it, like they both kind of call each other's shots i think before it even happens sometimes but it's his actual brother but his actual brother is trying to fuck him all the time but in breaking bad the main character there doesn't have any real brothers but like hank is basically his brother and his, his brother there should be trying to put him in the slammer at all times but his brother there is his constant cheerleader and like makes fun of him a little bit, but is like always in his corner. So I really like that that dichotomy there. Um, yeah. is is great to see. And then also, um, you get Ed Begley Jr. as like a, a fun little side character. I think um, Better Call Saul was great with with comedic um uh, guest stars. Um, the balance the, between the comedy and the drama is. I don't know if there's a show that's ever done it better. That it's, just. It's yeah. seamless between the two. Nothing is yeah. sticks out glaringly like, hey, here's the funny part. Like, it's just it yeah. leaves it in so well. Yeah. And then, of course, you have uh, Mark Proch, um, who was on The Office and is now a lead on uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And he plays the general, the, the very nerdy <laughs> gentleman with the yellow Hummer who sells uh, the, the pills and his whole storyline. Right. And, you know, he's he's got his pants up to his nipples. You know, it's like, you know. Before you continue, brief side note, when we were in Six Flags in St. Louis, we got a caricature of ourselves done, and the caricature artist sounded like and looked like Mark. Mark Proch. He looked like Colin Robinson oh. and sounded like him. He was very oh. nice, but had the exact same voice and the exact same look. Like if you remove <laughs> the glasses and put a cap on him and gave him a marker... We yeah. had Colin Robinson sitting in front of our face. Oh my it was gosh. very, very odd. <laughs> did, did the did the portrait take too long, and was it annoying? No, he did, he did, he <laughs> okay. did not. He did not energy vampire. Us, oh, that's good. That's awesome. Um, I I also um, I mean, obviously, the the biggest difference between this show and Breaking Bad is this show. You actually know the characters, and you like spend yes. time with them, and you get to figure out why they tick um it's the godfather effect so it's kind of what makes the other one better because now you know all this stuff yeah um and also i love one more guest star which i think he is vastly underrated but has been on a bunch of great shows is mel martinez who plays slip and jimmy's best buddy back in cicero um the the guy just has like magnetism for days in his performances um i love him very much and of course Anyone who's ever in, who's loved a mockumentary that, that you know, obviously the, all, all the Christopher Guest stuff, Michael McKeon is just a one 
top of the list, incredible performance um, as um, as uh, his brother Chuck. Chuck. Yeah, yeah, Chuck, Chuck McGill, and I, I love you- the way they say Jimmy says Chuck. He's like, hey, Chuck. So I was like, Chuck, Chuck, <laughs> Chuck. Very, uh, Mel very, Rodriguez, very not Martinez. Oh, Mel Rodriguez. Sorry, in, uh, Mel. Yeah. What else was he in? Um, Last Man on Earth. He's brilliant in as well. He's in Last Man on Earth. He's in that one HBO show with all the nurses, with Niecy Nash yes. and someone else. Uh, he was in um, Running Wild, uh, Mitch Hurwitz and, and uh, Will Arnett's attempt. We, yeah, we haven't even it. mentioned uh, Rhea, Rhea Seahorn. Am I saying her name right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's Who's fantastic. A, a character who, who plays doesn't Kim. appear in Breaking Bad and is, um, you know, sort of a co-protagonist of the show and yep. fantastic. I mean, I we could go on about uh, Better Call Saul for hours, but I have one quick question to both of yeah. you, and that is, which is better, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? Better Call Saul. Brian, I'm not at the finish line yet. I can't make that call. Yeah, that's true. That's unfair, but I will, I'll just weigh in. That will have no effect on your points, but I will say that I think Better Call Saul is actually the better television program. It probably um, is because, I mean, you get their first run, but I wonder if the story will have as good of a button as we got in Breaking Bad. That's going to be hard will, to pull off. We will, so let's we, will, see. we will find out, but uh, it's been a hell of a ride on the way. Um, overall, mm-hmm. on the stare down, though, that is going to be... Uh, Come on. Well, you know, I feel, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you, Brian, because I feel like you would have more to say if you'd seen the whole thing. But Mitch, simply on the fact that you're caught up, you're getting the three points for the stare down. That's fair. Uh, It's a, it's a tough world we live in, Brian. You are just, so just handsome, Nathan. You're the most handsome guy in here tonight. That's good job. I just job. can't bring myself to pay the $25 on iTunes when I know it's going to be out soon. <laughs> that's, that's fair, but uh, Uber Cinco is not a fair game. Uh, no, Mitch, it's, it's time for your number four. Yeah, my number four is um, actually I'm, I'm taking a real risk here. But um, I mean, a real risk here, guys. This is. This is a bigger risk than I've taken at any other point during Uber Cinco. All right. So right then and there, you, you got to give me a couple extra bonus points, right? So I'm saying a movie here that I've never actually seen before. Okay. And that is <laughs> 2018's Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay. And just for those of you not watching on the video feed, we all just saw Mitch literally Roll his eyes up to the window. The, the complexion changed as the screen changed, and he read yep. to pronounce yep. this correctly. Yeah, oh he, he hasn't not he's he hasn't seen it, and he also doesn't even know the title of it. Yeah, so I I don't know the title, but I do know the plot, and the plot is very boring, and that's why this movie has an aggregate score of around twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so this is this is the sequel. To the first Fantastic Beast, but it's a prequel to all the Harry Potter movies because J.K. was like, I want to write movies and I want a bunch of more cash. And so they're like, let's do it. And so this movie did make $650 million. Um, it's got Eddie Redmayne. This one did the, the sequel to the prequel made 600 mil? Yes. Yes. Holy moly. Yes. Yeah. So basically the the, the, the plot, it sounds like. People are putting each other in spells. Um, 
Johnny Depp's Generally character. Generally Harry Potter, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to try and marry each other, but then there's two, there's like two, um, like forever oaths that characters reveal that's like, I, I can't fight him or kill him forever. Like, that's the oath I've taken. So there's like two forever oaths in the plot, and you're like, eh, okay. Um, yes, Brian? <laughs> How many Harry Potter movies have you seen in general? I've seen the, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and I've read and the this first made your top and I read, five list. And I, and I read the first three books. No, no, no. Because no, there's a reason why it made the list. Because all right, all right. All right. Johnny Depp um, was almost tossed off these this franchise initially uh, at first because of um, you know him and Amber Heard's uh, a domestic dust up, which people were like, Johnny Depp is beating the shit out of Amber Heard. He's a terrible guy. And I think the second part of that is still true. Uh, but I think that it sounds like they both were throwing strikes at each other throughout their relationship. They both loved wine. They both loved cocaine. You know, it was a rocky, rocky relationship. But what I love about this is that Johnny Depp was took this character so seriously, this freaking big time character. You, you only see in the plot description on Wikipedia, if like the last quarter of it, He's like, this character has to have two different colored eyes. That's gotta be, it's gotta be that. And so they're like, wow, Johnny Depp is so into this character. He gave him two different color eyes. And that's why I, I love this movie, even though I've never seen it because his character looks so <laughs> stupid. And it's just <laughs> he does. Well, and, his, and, his and character does ha- appear in the, the final of the uh, first. This one, is, yes. We're going to get, we're going to get real meta here in the book series yeah <laughs> um, grindelwald is uh is an important f- figure in the final book of yeah. the series but, definitely but only yeah. but only in flashbacks so it's yes. Like, yes. we go to prequel land i'm yeah. confusing myself and i've actually seen the movies and read the books yeah so and, 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 <laughs> i don't know where we're at and uh uh geller um Grindemald or whatever his name, is. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he was, he was, he was, uh, he was a um, Dumbledore's first boyfriend, <laughs> right? On. Like way on, like way on in the beginning, and they have a they have a vial of blood that says they can't hurt each other. Um, but Dumbledore's pretty sure he can destroy his vial of blood so then he can kill Grindelwald. But this was the big point I was coming to: is that this character's name is Grindelwald, and I've been to the real Grindelwald before in Switzerland. They have an amazing mountain adventure park there. So if you're there and you're vacationing, <laughs> ride the mountain carts. The mountain carts are incredible. It feels like you're on the edge of the world and you might die at any moment. But the carts have incredible driving accuracy and great braking as well. So that's very, very important. So um, <laughs> what an ad. What an what ad. A, yeah. Um, and but also what, what is what is kind of dicey about this movie is that J.K. Rowling stood behind Johnny Depp. Before it came out that Amber Heard had like attacked him and said that him and Amber are trying to work this out, which was very, you know, very polarizing uh, as J.K. Rowling also is as an individual. But um, so th- that, this was in- interesting to me that like the head honcho stood behind him, uh, even though she didn't have to. Um, and then what came out of it? An almost mediocre movie. So um, that's my number four. Um, I laid at your feet, expertly told, expertly analyzed. Thank you very much. <laughs> expertly I, analyzed. I, 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 I have to say, I, I appreciate the the risk taking. And as a gambling man, I can't give you zero points, so I'm giving you one. 
but you didn't see the movie. But uh, that is anyways. for the joie de vivre of my answer. That's, that's for, so. <laughs> yeah, one joie de vivre bonus. <laughs> uh, Brian, let's have your number three. All right, my number three is a. We're gonna go to a Ridley Scott property here, and I'm gonna take you to Prometheus, the prequel to the Alien series. Now, not particularly the best movie of all time. It does have a lot of interesting, cool sci-fi ideas. Do you guys even want points? Everybody's like, oh, I didn't see the movie. This comes with a caveat. It's not that good. Look at the list of prequels and how many bad ones there are. This is slim pickings, my friend. (laughs) So what this movie does right is it comes up with a backstory for how humans exist. And cast we, Idris Elba. Idris Elba is in it. Uh, but more uh, about this backstory, I do want to hear about yeah. why you think this is a positive. So that humans never really existed. We are a creation of some other humanoid race that came here. And the movie opens with some giant humid looking thing, bald, all white skin, very muscular. And he takes like this weird potion thing that dissolves his body and puts his DNA in the water. And those are supposed to be the seeds of humanity. Now, later on in the film, you realize that we were experiment gone wrong and they were trying to exterminate us because we were just the uh, a plot point in their history. But before they could destroy us, they themselves were destroyed by the xenomorphs not even the xenomorphs that's out they were called xenomorphs uh, in this one pesky pesky xenomorphs mm. and the second cool thing i thought sci-fi cool thing in this was that they do call them neomorphs because they look a little bit different and it is not until that they actually grow inside of a human do they take the form of the xenomorph that we know so the actual design all right of the we, creature, I, Brian, I gotta stop you here why for, for anybody who's who's listening you're gonna have to explain what the fuck a xenomorph is <laughs> that's is. the name <laughs> that's the name of the alien of the thing that comes out of the guy's body in the original alien movie. The fully grown black alien is called xenomorph. That's okay. the name of the thing. Okay. I was unaware uh, that that was a thing. Yes. So that is what it is called and it looks a little weirdly different like the model that you see in the beginning of Prometheus attacking people is not the form we're used to. So it is not until it gets into somebody on the on the team there when it grows out of their stomach and grows to be full term, we'll say, <laughs> that it actually develops like the top hard shell and the double mouth. And it was like, oh, like, oh, cool. This thing evolves. And it wasn't until it was mixed with our DNA that it became the most indestructible thing in the universe. So like this weird whole engineering plot of what life is, where does it start, how it changes, that I thought was done extremely well. On its surface, this and its follow-up Alien Covenant are basically the same movie as is Alien. It's, okay, here's this thing. It takes over our bodies. We got to kill it. Super hard to kill. Oh, no, it got out. Oh, move on. So all these yeah, movies are the same. It's but, it's it's dressed up a lot as something yeah. different, but it really it, it doesn't offer a lot new. Like there's some cool concepts, and I think there's a cool scene where uh, what's Fassbender is like 
he's an android and he's riding a unicycle around doing like left-handed hook shots that he doesn't miss into a basketball hoop. <laughs> yeah, there's weird stuff like that. But that, then they no, that was the, don't say weird stuff. That was the best scene in the goddamn movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. Come on. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, what's her face? Uh, Numi Rupace, who's the, who's the original girl with the dragon tattoo is the lead in this one. And she's awesome. Her and Idris Elba. I mean, it's great cast, but it's like, okay, cool. At the end of it, it's like kind of in the shell of here's some cool new ideas wrapped up in the same shiny package. Yeah. It, it ends exactly where it began. It's correct. I- Which is kind of the theme of all the alien movies. It's like. We are our own demise. Don't trust anybody. Kind of steals a little bit from like the kind of ideas of the thing, even though the thing came later. But like that sort of same theme throughout it, which is something I enjoy. Which is why I don't recommend you see them. <laughs> um, all right. Over to, over to Mitch with your number three. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I got to be harsh because these are prequels. You can't, yeah. you can't uh, pull yeah. punches on the prequels. That's true. Uh, okay. So my number three is actually, it's a book. Um, and my, yes, 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 it is. Sorry. Yeah. Come at me, bro. Okay. So my number three, um, it's called dirty bastard and it's the third book in the roughneck billionaires series by, um, uh, author Jessica Claire. And so now these books, are you guys familiar with these? I am not. You're going to have to give us a little, uh, little rundown. Sure, sure. So um, this author, she writes under three different pen names. And this one, Jessica Claire, she writes um, kind of like um, fun, sexy, blue-collar romance novels. And this series is about three brothers, Boone, Clay, and Knox Price. And they're from roughneck country in Texas. And they find out one day that their land has got oil underneath. And then they all become billionaires. But guess what? I'm, I'm not going to do the, the Southern accent the whole time, but um, <laughs> these guys are roughneck billionaires, though. And so they don't want to move out of their trailers. They don't want to stop drinking cheap beer. They don't want to stop listening to good country music, you know. And this story is all about Knox. And this happens. Um, the storyline is like before book two, where his brother meets his um slam piece so this one he meets <laughs> a woman named lexi at um, a riverside party that he's at with his brothers and okay. he likes lexi because she's into gothic stuff and she wears black and she does yoga in the south in what? the south and she likes to scare kids that's one of her other interests she likes to jump out of bushes and scare kids and whatnot that's um, actually her interest is jumping it's, it's, out it's, of bushes and scaring kids there's yes. not much else to do in the South. Yes. So, um, so this evening, um, uh, her, her best friend who is dating, uh, Knox's brother, Clay, they hit it off. So they go back to, uh, what's that character's name? Natalie's, um, hotel room for a night of passion. And then Lexi and Knox are like, Hey, we kind of like each other. How about we go put our bodies together and see what sparks fly? They find out <laughs> sparks do fly. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but. Hold on, hold on. Lexi, though, loses her phone very soon after. So she oh, no. no way. There's no way for her to contact Knox again. Aww. It's very sad. Um, and, but, but, um, she also comes into the story with a stalker. So she, she is unable to, to trust men and she's afraid to get into a relationship, um, for fear of the stalker kind of messing everything up. Uh, so eventually, fast forward, yada, 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 yada. 
They find out she's pregnant. She has a kid. It's Knox's kid. He's a stand-up guy, though. He's not in it for the money. She's not in it for the money. They just want to find someone that's a great individual. So, Okay, um, I, have, I have a big question here. What's that? What's that? Oh, 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 11 inches. There we go. <laughs> they say it in the book. Knox Price, 11 Dude. inches. Okay. Uh, all right. That that just adds to my big question. Mm-hmm. Because you – look, I, I, I already hate this book. But they call it you, like an oil pipe too, I think, at some point. But yeah. Oh, good oh, lord. Good lord. Yeah. You, you, you had all the names right. Yep. You seem to know the plot of this book inside and out. So yep. there's two possibilities here. <laughs> what? Either you did a lot of research in the few days leading up to this, like an absurd amount, or the other scarier version is you have uh-huh. read the book. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah, baby. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, no. You've actually read this book. I read half of it, and then I listened to the audiobook for the second half, which has incredibly bad voice actors playing Knox Price. I'm Knox Price. I'm a roughneck billionaire. I made all, right. all my money from mole. Like those kind of. Yeah. I don't want to know anything else about okay. the book, but <laughs> I want to know everything about the context in which and why you read the book. What <laughs> happened? <laughs> Uh, Why did you not call Brian and I when you were having this crisis in your life where you were at a point where you read Dirty Bastard? You had four Harry Potter books (laughs) and I believe seven other Harry Potter films to watch. (laughs) And yet you chose this book. I, I, um, I actually, this is not the only book of the series I've read. Uh, I read the first one. That was, that was going to be my next question is did you read the two that led up to this i read the first one about his brother boone price dirty money and the second one i couldn't find on the library website and so the third one was the next you went on a so, library website like it was 1998 yeah so but but it, it me, and, me and danny my my girlfriend had, had a very fun time at, at night we, we would listen to the audiobook together um, so you, th- that'd be a nice way to fall asleep. Or we take turns reading the book to each other because the chapters switch POV. So I'd read as Knox Price. I'd be like, got out of my truck and saw Lexi across the street as she was high and tight in her black yoga pants, hiding in the bushes, waiting to scare a couple four year olds walking by, you know, like that kind of thing. And then she would read the female parts. So we go back and forth. So this, it was like a, it was a fun couples activity. So. Well, I, I'll tell you this. You're never going to find another woman who's going to engage in this with you. <laughs> so, I don't so, think I will. And that's why I found the exact right lady. So, so I, I guess, you know, I, on that, on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to score this out. And, and Mitch, that was a solid zero up until that <laughs> last little tidbit, which, which, which warmed my heart enough to give you two points. That was, that was an emotional roller coaster. Brian, I, I'm sorry, buddy, but I hated Prometheus so much, and I wanted my money back after I walked out of the theater, so it's number one. But please, uh, please um, redeem yourself with your number two. My number two is a film directed by a man Nathan has met. We are talking about Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Mm. Okay. That's true. Going I forgot s- I met that man. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, but yes. Uh, yes, episode, so you have met Episode three? 
episode, episode three. three. Oh yeah. Sorry. 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 I was sorry. My, my bad. My bad. I, 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 sorry. I was hearing something else. My bad. I was sorry. Yeah. What, what, what are you confused about? I'm here to help, bud. I, you said episode three, you said Revenge of the Sith. And I was thinking the first movie after Return of the Jedi would be number four, but that's not what this was. So I was. No, that would actually be number seven, The Force Awakens. And we're going to get to that. It would be number seven, <laughs> right? Yes. Three, Revenge of the Sith. And this is the one where Vader becomes Vader. This is the cool one. The only one worth watching of these three, with the exception of the pod race scene, which only has my heart because that movie came out when I was 11 years old. And that was super cool. And the pod race scene spawned a great N64 video game. Yes. Thank you. you. They also put it on PlayStation and they sold it for four bucks on PS4. So I could play the old pod racing game even to this day, which is amazing. Well, fuck poker night that I was bitching about last week. We're doing pod race night. Hell yeah! We can we still bet talk on about- pod races, too. We can throw it on money. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. You can look into that. That's okay. What's his face's name from that movie? <laughs> that was a pretty good impression if you go back and look. It actually um, is. Nobody will understand that, but that was fairly accurate. I give No, that point. is just, just for Star Wars. Maybe. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. Yes, like, what? <laughs> you like Star Wars. <laughs> never seen it. Never seen Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, but you're reading fucking oil books like a weirdo. <laughs> all right, moving on. So verse one, this is the Anakin story. This is what one, two, and three are all about. Yep. Luke and Leia's father becoming the most evil man in the universe. Mm-hmm. So what's great about this is you finally get uh, an answer to where Vader comes from. You actually get to see him be evil and where he slays a bunch of young Jedi. It's true. And you get to see one of the coolest lightsaber fights of all time on a lava planet. Like, this is pretty awesome. And you get some of the greatest cheesy lines of the Star Wars franchise. So you get where he's fighting Obi-Wan, blah, blah, blah. Obi-Wan slices his legs off. And he is sliding down gravel into the lava. And Obi-Wan is letting his heart out, saying, I loved you. You were my brother. And you cut to horrible actor Hayden Christensen. I hate you. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. And then they, George Lucas does him one worse when he finally the coolest moment in the entire Star Wars canon. Anakin is being saved by a bunch of droids and they are putting everything onto him. They're clean, healing all of his burns and you're starting to see the assembly of the Darth Vader suit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's this close up of the helmet, your profile as he's laying down, the helmet clicks in the last bit of real air he'll ever breathe escapes. And you hear the infamous <sighs> for the first time. I got chills. It still, uh, it's, it still gives it's, you chills. It's, it's such amazing. A, and, and then, then is the, and then it's immediately <laughs> followed by him being told that his children are dead and Padme's dead. And he just goes, no, in the most horrible of Hollywood tropes. Uh, but I, I want I want you to talk about the good things of this movie, though, because oh, th- that's the best moment. The moment I have I've seen some that thoughts helmet about this. So what's really interesting is seeing what happens to the Skywalkers at the end of this. 
how Luke got the short end of the stick for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, hey, we're going to give Leia to this wealthy family of senators. We're going to bring her to Alderaan. And well, she does get her comeuppance later. So she does, <laughs> that does flip on her later on in the series. But that's how they're given to her. And we're going to give you to this dusty old desert planet with these old, old weird Joel Edgerton. Who is yeah, randomly shows up as Uncle Owen? It's yeah, it so makes weird. No sense. So Joel Edgerton's going to give him blue milk for the next sixteen to eighteen years, and it's just like it's the weirdest ending. But it does end with the two moons on tattoo. I'm sorry, the two suns on Tatooine. Well, there's there's some other cool stuff. Is is the uh, the fight between you get to see Yoda go up against the Emperor, which was cool. That is true. You get to see that the Emperor turn into the Emperor, and Ian McDermott as Palpatine is the best part of the whole prequels. Like he, correct? He the the first two, which obviously are not good movies, but he really gives you something to hold on to there because he's such a fantastic actor and he's having such a great time. And then you know he has a amazing scene with samuel l jackson and they finally like they cast samuel l jackson in these prequels and they give him nothing to do and then finally they give him something to do and it actually turns out to be some pretty cool stuff so my my go ahead go ahead well there's there's one other thing it's like some of those final scenes in this steven spielberg actually was on set for some of these things and might have directed some second unit stuff because he was buddies with George Lucas, which is kind of cool. But yeah, then and that helped. I, I would I would say that this movie, um, if they had not released the first two prequels and they had just made this movie as a prequel, people would be like, "That eh, was a pretty cool prequel." Yep. Yeah, they would. I agree. Like it's. I mean, Hayden Christensen is. I hate to say it because he's probably a nice guy who got thrown into this when he was super young, and now he's regrets doing it because yep, he's defined probably. as this yep. no, yeah he's not he was, was not a tremendous actor I don't I haven't seen anything he's done since but neither was Mark Hamill when he started yeah. but he grew into it eventually so but, it's but it's, it's fair. this is overall a good movie and you know people shit on the prequels and right, rightfully so but this is pretty solid and I agree yeah I I mean I Mitch you you have not seen this movie I have not no would, would you would you like to uh like you know, do an in-depth Wikipedia-based uh, read on it for three points. <laughs> well, I know that there's a guy with, with with a red and black face who um who has nope, a that's no, not, yep, yep, your no. two movies late for that. <laughs> what? Darth Maul. Your two yeah. movies late for that. Yeah, Darth Maul dies in the first one. Bal. He's, he's he dead does. At this point. Yeah, he's gone. After he got two lines, the coolest character in that movie got two lines. That tells you everything yep. you need uh, to know about that one. Wow! Yeah, because Why of course they... he kills he kills Qui Gon Jinn, who is Obi Wan's. The, they introduce some stuff in this one that leads to possibly an even better selection. Is uh, there's some characters in uh, Revenge of the Sith that are featured in the Clone Wars that was on the Cartoon Network, which is yep. actually pretty solid entertainment if you're into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and Darth Maul didn't die, as we learned. So that was kind of right. Well, that's that's, that's a whole, whole other story. Thing. I so uh, Brian, uh, I I like this choice. It's a little out of left mm. field, but it 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 really hits a lot of the notes of what we're looking for here. But Mitch, what is your number two? My number two is going to blow you away, and <laughs> not for a good reason, probably. But I'm going to see if I can't defend it because it is it is worth remembering in its decision making. And that decision-making is not necessarily good either. So my number two 
is the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wait, I I did not know this movie existed. You didn't know? Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the the guy who directed the the quote unquote original Flintstones, um, in whatever ninety four Hannah or Barbara. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I hate myself. Um, it did have Halle Berry in it though, and you you're missing out, Nathan. Yeah, it, it did have Halle Berry and Kyle McLaughlin as the bad boy, uh, which yeah, beautiful villain there. But um, Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin is he's the the Twin Peaks guy. Correct. Yep. He is. He is uh, David okay. Lynch's muse. Um, so and Goodman, right? Goodman, yes. as Fred, and is it Rick Moranis? John Goodman, Rick Moranis, uh, uh, Elizabeth Perkins, and then Rosie O'Donnell were. That's right. Uh, That's a cast. Wilma, Betty, Fred, and Barney. So, so, but this one wow. um, is it, this, this is going back to, to to when Fred and Barney were still like they just got their permits to be crane operators at Slayton company. And like, they're just a couple of just <laughs> thirsty single guys, just a couple of dumb cavemen. And, uh, they meet, um, Betty at a, at a drive-in place. They're going to order food. And Betty skates up played by, uh, 30 rocks, Jane Krakowski. And, um, Fred is just like, like literally just yeah. going, cheeseburger, just like making noise. Oh, I, I, I get it. She's so attractive that you can't form sentences. I yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so she fills in all the words for him because he's like, oh, food, and then he's like, oh, but, and she's like, oh, you want a date, and then. Barney goes, played by Stephen Baldwin. Uh, oh, so wait, cast. so it's, it's a different cast now? It is a different. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Fred is, is played by uh, eventual very high quality actor Mark Addy of, of Game of Thrones um, fame. And also, oh, yes, dear. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yes. he was in, he was in uh, the yes, was, dear uh, as well. Your movie, the. Uh, or no, uh, not yes, dear, but. Something what was else. the Heath Ledger movie? A, where a Night's Tale. A Night's Tale. Tale. A Night's yeah. Tale. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Mark Addy may have stepped down from John Goodman, but I'll, I'll get on board. Who else? Who, are, yeah. who else we yeah. got? So, uh, oh, Still Standing. That's the great uh, sitcom. I love that show. Yeah. Love that show. Great one. Um, then they have Stephen Baldwin. Uh, honestly, the worst Baldwin uh, as Barney. Um, <laughs> he, he takes over for Rick Moranis. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Lord. You know how how when, when people are trying to find Rick Moranis types now they just bring in guys that look like Stephen Baldwin. You know, it's like it's just this dead is, ringers for each other, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. This is not. like it when in in two thousand two the Bulls signed Ron Mercer as their first good shooting guard since Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. There's a deep cut. <laughs> uh, and guess what, Bulls fans? It didn't work out. It did not work uh, out. Um, I had to get one Bulls reference in. In the show. Yeah. Anyways, uh, who? All right. So, so who are the who are the ladies? Wilma is is Kristen Johnston from Third Rock from the Sun. Um, she takes over from Rosie O'Donnell. No, she takes over from um, Elizabeth Perkins. Elizabeth Perkins, and then oh. Jane, Jane Krakowski takes over from Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, Alan Cumming is the alien and also plays a character named Mick Jagged. Uh, Wait, there's, there's an alien named Mick Jagged, played by Alan Cumming in a Flintstones prequel. He plays an alien named Gazoo and a rock star character named Mick Jagged. 
in the same movie. He plays two characters in the same movie. So uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. And then, um, uh, comic legend Harvey Corman, uh, is in here as well. Um, and then Joan Collins. But so, but th- this movie is just kind of, it's sad and depressing because they meet her at, at the, at the, at the food place, or whatever. And then, you know, they're like, Oh, we got a date. So they go to the Rest- carnival restaurant. Some people call them. Restaurant, but 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 they're not inside. It, 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 it's just a drive up, you know. It's like oh, a, okay, you know, it's it's like a fifties diner, keeps, but it's the fifties, the fifties vibe, the, the original yeah. honeymooners vibe that we were always going for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but so, but the, but then they go to the carnival. But turns out that because uh, initially Betty is going out with with Fred, and they're like they're just not vibing. So then they switch, and they find out oh Wilma likes Fred, and Barney likes. Uh, Betty. So it, 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 it works out. And that's where also Fred gets a dino egg that becomes Dino, dino. as well. Yeah. So, uh, but then Wilma's, uh, was it Wilma's gonna marry a very rich guy named Chip Rockefeller and he's a real dude. <laughs> um, and, but Fred likes her, obviously. And Who plays like, Chip Rockefeller? That is, uh, the guy from, now this he, is a deep cut. He was he was he was in that in that one sitcom with um Jenna Elfman and he played her husband in that sitcom. I don't remember Oh what was the name of that? <laughs> he's in like numbers now. Dharma and Greg. Dharma and Greg, there we go. So uh, Greg Thomas, from Dharma and Greg. Yes, Greg is... from, from Dharma and Greg plays Chip Rockefeller. So like okay, so so there's that. And of course Wilma Wilma comes from money and Wilma's Dad doesn't approve of Fred because all he does is Not operate a crane. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so like he, Fred gets set up, but then he kind of redeems himself. And then Wilma's dad offers a weekend at the casino he owns in Viva Rock, Vegas. Uh-huh. But so hmm. what the plan is, the evil plan is to keep Fred gambling by Chip Rockefeller and his buddies. And then Wilma's going to see how much of a, a addicted to gambling shithead he is. And he's, you know, and, and this and is then, the plot. Yes, this is for the kids, plot. Oh, a kids, kids movie. Uh, is it a kids movie? I don't know. Maybe but <laughs> it is, is it, going on here. It is. Uh, the, the, of, of course, eventually, though, he, he wins enough money and makes her happy because he's both a nice guy and has money. Um, so it's kind of a terrible uh, I, nice guys always do well in Vegas. Right. Exactly. Brian? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, of course, in Vegas, you have great things like the molten nugget. Ah, that's that's clever. And they fly there on a BC-10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And uh, but throughout the movie, you you keep asking yourself, why the fuck do they make all these choices? Because when they're at things like a restaurant, they set down giant versions of French fries or burgers, but clearly none of it is actual food. And so like, none of it's going to be eaten by anyone. And like my idea the whole time is like, sure. They were, you know, uh, disgusting, just cavemen back in the day, but like they didn't eat like eight times as much as we did. They just ate more when they could. Cause food wasn't always there. So there's just a this bunch is of your problem so the, yeah, with the movie about the, people living yes, alongside dinosaurs. Yes, it yeah. is. The food is looks, the, the, food's plastic the whole time. Everything's too plastic to me. Um, 
And it's just, but also funny. I was going to comment the production design as like, I actually kind of liked it. The first one, I can't, I don't know how it is in rock Vegas, but oh no, rock Vegas is terrible. I mean, it's like a a guy, a guy in his bare feet can just coast along the ground and, and shift six tons of rock. And that's (laughs) more believable than he eats a really big hamburger, (laughs) but you never see anyone eat the hamburger. You know, it's like, it's just plastic sitting there. And like in general, there's also a giant music number at one point where they've got like 200 people on screen doing, you know, a dance together in the middle of Viva rock Vegas. And I just, it's just, it's just, it's just all just no one ever needed it. No one ever needed it. Um, and it's very dumb looking. Uh, the only thing I liked, was that for the soundtrack, Viva Rock Vegas, the original song, obviously copied off of Elvis, uh, but original lyrics, you know, for uh, Flintstone-style shit, is recorded by Anne Margaret. So it's kind of like this weird, like, voice that can't really sing anymore, but it's kind of raspy. So it's like, Viva Rock Vegas. And it's it's like, it just makes it, it, makes it all a little more sad, I guess, in the end, which for this list makes it great. So... Yeah, this is this is depressing yeah. on so many levels. Um, Interesting to think about, though. <laughs> this this might be Stephen Baldwin's best film. Was was he the Baldwin in uh, the Usual Suspects, or was yes. that a different one? Oh, he was. Yeah, he was. He's the one that 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 was on the uh, the Apprentice, famously. But but it's um, it's better than Biodome, is what you're promising. Yes. Me. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 on par with Biodome. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Mark Addy competent, Jane Krakowski competent, Kristen sure. Johnson competent, Harvey Corman competent. You know when he's there. Uh, and this and is, so you're you're gonna diss Polly Shore? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I will. I will. That is that okay. is what I will say. Yeah. All right. Well, we so for dissing Polly Shore and for just. What I assume was an incredible amount of research. I'm going to give you one point <laughs> because I was just heartbroken I, through all of this. I saw this movie back in the day, and no, I didn't rewatch it for this, but I did refresh my memory. I think okay. we should go to the dispensary and rewatch it. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> On our poker night slash pod race gambling nights. <laughs> this is... That's I I can't believe that a gambling addiction was a plot. That's that's amazing. Anyways, yep. Brian, for for Revenge of the Sith, because I think it, there is an, a case to be made where it actually is a solid prequel, and you took the risk to put it up there. I'm giving you three points, Mitch. Your number one was covered already in the Uber Staredown because it was, it was. Better Call Saul. That yep. leaves us just with Brian's number one. Go right ahead. All right, my number one. I am sticking in the same intellectual property but i am picking the mandalorian flintstones which is a prequel to the most recent trilogy that has Mm. come out Mm. so have any of you seen the mandalorian in its entirety not in its entirety i have seen a fair amount let's call it a fair amount i have seen gonna make it really really hard for me to talk about because there is a a lot of spoilers, especially second season. So I'm just going to stick to the heart of it. Spoil? No, 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 Brian, Brian, Brian. Give us details. Spoil away. I do not care. I'll just wait till I forget, and then I'll watch it. I haven't well, seen the, any of it. The host, the host cares. 
That's why I'm Nathan. I didn't want to spoil Red Dead. Wait, wait, wait. I can't hold spoil on, this. hold on, hold on. So we're not going to give spoilers. So like, so the crowd's going to get like a, a episode of vagary. So so Nathan can feel. You better. didn't even see one of the movies that you <laughs> rambled about. So, no, but I I'm gave plot keep... points though. I gave plot points. I can still give plot well, points and yeah, not be vague. Okay, you can, all right. You can you can give away give away as as much as you're comfortable with without thinking you're going to make me punch you in the face later. We'll just go with that. Oof, that's going to be rough. Make Just sure kidding. juice comes out when you squeeze, though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you've been put in an impossible situation, Brian, yes, yes. please try to win the game. <laughs> ruin, just, just ruin Nathan's future Mandalorian doing. Just do it. Who cares? Okay. Here's what I'm going to give this, this series. One, it's directed by somebody who is, or sorry, written and directed and executive produced by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, somebody who grew up in the Star Wars universe. He started as an animator on Clone Wars and has worked his way all the way up to executive producer and showrunner in Lucasfilm, which is already amazing. And he's of the age similar to my dad. So he would have grown up with the original ones, then got a job in it learned all the coolest stuff from George Lucas himself and is now taking the story as a fan into new territory. So I think this is what gives the Mandalorian its biggest leg up is it is the best told star Wars stories period. It takes it somewhere new. It keeps the, um, I guess we'll keep the characters familiar, but also has given you a bunch of this is so hard to talk about without spoiling all the cool things I want to talk about. Um, Take take a few liberties, but just, you know, for instance, it is a (laughs) truly it's a Western. It's actually a Western. It is as opposed to everything else kind of being a space opera. This is about a lone bandit who's kind of trying to make good after a giant war. So when you're following the Mandalorian, And the reveal at the end of that pilot of the thing he's been after this whole time that they have told you is 50 years old and it's a little cradle that opens up to reveal Baby Yoda, which of Mm. of course we'll later learn's name is Grogu, which is a horrible name. But Grogu, this cute little baby Yoda, which all of a sudden signifies that there are more of his species, which we have not been let in on with the exception of one of the uh, one, two, three prequels, you do see a female looking Yoda character on the Jedi Council. But other than that, bow, there have bow, mm, yeah. But there has been no clue that this is actually a descendant of Yoda, but there is a species that is strong with the force. Very cool. Now you kind of get these um how do you explain it? They're not bottle episodes, but they're kind of like adventures of the week. I'll, I'll say it that way, where it's like you kind of get these um, the old X-Files. school serials. The, yeah, old school serials. You which get is where line. George Lucas sort of got the original ideas because he was watching Flash Gordon in the fifties. For and, sure, yeah. and the fact that you're getting this in a Star Wars universe is really cool, and the fact that the way that they film this too in I forgot what they call it, the volume. I believe it's called. They're not using green screen anymore. They're using real backgrounds that could be changed on an LED screen. So they're shooting higher quality things faster that look more real. So like everything about it is if you look at the Mandalorian's helmet, it's completely reflective. You tried to shoot that on a green screen. 
you'd be in a mess of trouble when you came into post. But the fact that you have this really cool, iconic looking new character now that is super shiny, you can see the environment he's in. He's a complete total badass. And the fact that all takes place after return of the Jedi before force awakens means you're kind of in this limbo where there's really no empire. There's no real resistance. There's no rebels. It's kind of like the, the wild West starts over again, which where is there's a chance that you haven't seen the uh, seven, eight and nine and that they don't totally suck. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, ugh. That is the, what I try to look at this. Everyone says you had to reboot it for a new audience, which is why we kept Force Awakens exactly the same as A New Hope, which is a bullshit answer. Because The Mandalorian came out and it found a new way to tell Star Wars stories without pandering or doing anything else and sticking to the exact same formula. So the fact that you're getting actual new cool storytelling in an awesome world and it's made for adults and kids whereas most of Star Wars is generally directed at kids. Uh, except for the best Star Wars movie ever made, The Empire Strikes Back. Which, yeah, and that is a big swing. Well, that, is, mo- that is why this works as yes. uh, a pre... I mean, it's both prequel and sequel, but we've covered that in Godfather Part 2, and I'd say this yes. is right up with that, and that is the exact reason, Brian, that you're getting three points for your number one, which takes us... To the end of the game, and I must reveal the scores. And the scores are, Brian, that took you to nine. This is a low-scoring game, as we knew it would be. <laughs> Mitch, you came out with ten. You're the winner. <laughs> and and the yeah. uh, my house rule of uh, living in the past was going to be if anybody bitched about my score too much that I gave them and tried to retroactively give them a point. That was my living in the past rule. But you both were on your best behavior. So oh, man. God bless the two of you. And uh, so that's the end of the game. And all that leaves for me to do is turn the pages in my old school notebook <laughs> back to where I had written my fast five. Wow. And Brian, read it uh, to you. Sorry for beating your ass this week. <laughs> for not even seeing a majority of the things. Like, what the bullshit. This game is fucking rigged. Wait, wait. I, before, without seeing the majority of what? Excuse me? What did you say? Before Things you on your all list. Over? I, there's only one thing I said I hadn't seen on my list. I'm sorry. Excuse me. You're Fuck both, you. you're both living go. in the past here. I can, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're I'll right. deduct points for future episodes I host if I have to. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, this is my surprisingly family-friendly top five asses of all time. Oh my god! Oh shit! <laughs> Top five asses. Fuck yeah! Here we go. Time. Number five, top ass of all time. <laughs> Eeyore. <laughs> okay. Eeyore, resident of the house at Pooh Corner. Poor Eeyore, or always losing his tail until Christopher Robin reattaches it with a thumbtack. Don't let his dour attitude belie his ruthless competitive streak. Eeyore has the best win-loss record at the game Poo Sticks in the Hundred Acre Wood. What a sweet ass. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, Mark William Calloway. Flying through the air, delivering a punishing uh, suplex on Brock Lesnar in the 2002 Hell in the Cell match at WWE's No Mercy was the all-American badass, the temporary alias of The Undertaker. 
Uh-huh. Badass indeed. Okay. <laughs> Number three, ass backwards. Falling into situations unexpectedly and through known of your own volition is one of life's great pleasures. The topic is so fascinating that it was once discussed in list form on episode number 21 of podcast comedy game show Uber Cinco. Check out that ass. <laughs> number two. Ooh. Picture this. Oh, sunny skies, well manicured lawns, picket mm-hmm. fences and 600K McMansions arranged in a circle at the end of a sleepy suburban street. That's right. A cul-de-sac, which literally translates in French as ass of the bag. But watch (laughs) out for the street parking. The curved curbs lead to some wonky angles, and you'll only have a few inches to spare as you back in. Now that's one tight ass. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. The ass groove. What's better at the end of a long day than placing your cheeks in the familiar squishy crevasse on your sofa, contoured just to cradle your posterior postcode? Forge slowly through the years. This will hold your buns better than a Lululemon hair tie. That's a great ass. (laughs) (laughs) And that's this week's Uber Cinco. Rate and review our show and share with your friends your favorite episodes. And remember... As Blues Traveler are saying, some say the past is behind us. Be real confusing if not. But anyway, Alfie Dezain and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios. And most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.